Welcome back to another bonus episode of Invader Sports MLB Edition. I'm going to be your host today, Sam Peebles. If you want to check out more from me, you can check out Braves Dugout Podcast. I'm super excited to be doing this because even when I started doing the Invader Sports bonus episodes, I had no clue that the Braves would make it to the World Series. And my goal today, like always, is to keep the bias out of it and give you as many facts as we can. As proof, I'm going to go ahead and say I think the Astros had the advantage in the World Series. I'm not going to go out there and say, oh yeah, I'm a Braves fan or I cover the Braves, so yeah, my team's the best team in the world. They made it to the World Series, team of destiny, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm here to do today. I'm here today to tell you the true stats and the matchups and to kind of help paint a picture of what this matchup looks like. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know that I'm real big on strength of schedule and looking at the entirety of a season, whether it's the first half versus the second half, looking at the teams they played. Because just like in college football or any other sport, your schedule matters. Their strength of schedules matters, and especially in Major League Baseball, not all schedules are created equally. And as we saw with the Astros, they played in a really weak division, and some would argue that the Braves did as well, but just by looking at overall records, that doesn't tell you that one division is weaker than the other, and vice versa. You have to dig into the schedule, you have to dig into the numbers and really figure it out. None of that ultimately matters, because in the postseason, both teams start with a 0-0 and record, but you can kind of help predict what might happen in the future by looking at what happened in the past. And so that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to look at the regular season numbers. We're going to look at postseason numbers and kind of try to help paint a picture of what we think is going to happen. I'm not saying, hey, take my predictions and run to Vegas and and spend all your money trying to win. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to give you prop bets. I'm not trying to give you Vegas odds or anything like that. I'm just helping you paint a picture because it's just fun to do and and try to see how these teams match up. So first, I need to say that the Braves and the Astros did not face each other in the regular season. That's because, you know, American League versus National League, the, the Braves and the Astros played their counterparts in the opposite leagues. So the Braves played, when they played the American League, they played the National League East. When the Astros played the National League, they played the National League West, which the American League East as a whole was stronger than the National League West as a whole. But that's a whole other story. What I want to get at is kind of break these things down, give you some numbers, and kind of help paint a picture of how close or how far away this matchup is. Obviously, they're both good enough teams to make it to the World Series, so both teams are excellent teams, but, you know, there could be luck involved, there could be some type of whatever going on that helped one team or another. And for anyone to tell you to say there's no such thing as luck, that's just not true. There, It's not like anything crazy, but there is statistics out there to kind of predict, hey, over a long period of time, this trend would not continue. And that's what I mean by luck. It's not like uh, straight-up luck like, you know, it's all about odds. So, for example, batting average of balls in play. If the league average of batting average of balls in play is 290 and your batting average of balls in play is a 320, 
If you continue to hit that way, over time you'll start to score less runs per game. It's just what it is. So that's what I mean by you were kind of lucky. Um, the odds are favoring that you would not score that many runs with the same rate of play as time went, or vice versa. If your batting average of balls in play was lower than the league average, odds are if you continue to hit like that through a long period of time, your luck will start to flip and you'll start scoring more runs per game. But let's look at the Astros and the Braves postseasons and kind of compare them because that's the most recent, and they were both playing against playoff-worthy teams. So that's something to really look at. So the Astros in the postseason, they scored 6.7 runs in the postseason per game, which is absolutely insane. That's first out of all 10 teams. And they gave up 4.5 runs per game, which is good for sixth of the 10 playoff teams. And remember, these are all 10 playoff teams, so there are the wild card teams. But this is still including them. They did that well. The Braves scored four runs per game, which was fifth, so right in the middle. If you include the White Sox, who only played four games, who scored more than them per game at 4.5 runs per game. The Braves had the fourth best ERA with a 3.41. So they gave up 3.41 runs per game is what I'm getting at. That's good for fourth. So just to recap real quick, Astros were first in runs, Braves were fourth. Astros gave up the sixth most runs, Braves gave up fourth most runs. So I guess four is the magic number for the Braves. If you look at the regular season, the Astros scored the most runs in Major League Baseball, and they had the highest runs created plus in Major League Baseball. And what that means is that there's things that factor in, like what ballparks are playing in, uh how the rest of the league is doing, and things like batting average and balls in play. It factors all that in. It factors in and says, okay, purely from a run production standpoint, because if we take a step back, the whole point of the offense is to score runs. As a hitter, your goal is to create runs. That doesn't mean like what I'm getting at is RBIs don't tell everything. Batting average doesn't tell everything, because if you only hit singles, you're probably not scoring a ton of runs. And RBIs are really situational. It's all about, like, if a guy has 113 RBIs like Adam Duvall, does that mean he was the best hitter? No, he only got on base 29% of the time. Definitely not the best hitter in the league. But when you factor in all these things like OPS, OPS Plus is another good one. It follows very closely to Runs Created Plus. It kind of gives you, paints a much better picture of how good the offense was. And this is showing you that it was really... Truly, if you would adjust it across the league with the ballparks and everything like that, they truly did have the best offense from a runs-created standpoint. For runs against them, they were 7th in Major League Baseball. So 1st in offense, 7th in preventing runs. Their ERA+, plus, which again is another statistic to adjust it across the ballparks, because not all ballparks are the same. As you saw in the Yankees series, there are quite a few hits that ended up being outs, that would have been home runs in a large majority of this, the stadiums in Major League Baseball. As far as they were 7th in ERA+, plus, so it followed right along. Their adjustment was right along with how many runs they actually gave up with 7th in the MLB. For expected fielding independent pitching, this is if you were to take the 
defense out of it, and it was purely from pitching. They were 13th in Major League Baseball. That is really a stat that you want to look at if you're purely looking at the pitching staff and not the team as a whole, because as we know, teams also have a defense behind their pitcher, and that stuff does matter. If you were to look at purely pitching and take out the defense, the expected based on how the pitchers pitch throughout the regular season, the Astros were 13th best. And as far as run differential, meaning the difference between how many runs they scored versus how many runs they gave up, they were 4th in Major League Baseball. If we look at the Braves, they scored the 6th most runs in the MLB. Their runs created plus was 13th in Major League Baseball. So that means that they were 12 behind the Astros. But one thing that really does stick out with this offense is that this is not taken away from the Astros. As you can see with their WRC+, they were the best. But the Astros were fourth in Major League Baseball. They had the fourth highest batting average of balls in play, which means over time they would not score as many runs because they were way above the league average. Whereas the Braves' batting average in balls in play was 19th in Major League Baseball, which means they were fairly unlucky. So over a long stretch of time, the Braves would have ended up scoring more runs per game, which you saw actually as the season progressed. And then the Astros would have started to slow down their run production. Does that mean the Braves would have caught up with the Astros? You know, if it was this exact same rate of play over, you know, double the amount of games? I don't think so. But it is something to consider that the Braves' offense was not quite as far behind the Astros as pure run-scored shows. I mean, uh, from a pure output standpoint, yes. But like over a rate, like if you continue to hit like that over a long period of time, the luck would start to flip a little bit. Just something to consider. Nothing to take away from the Astros. By far the best uh, offense in Major League Baseball. If you look at the adjusted ERA+, plus, the Braves were 6th. They also were 6th in the most runs against them. And 6th as in like number 1 being the best, 30th being the worst. And the Braves were 12th in expected fielding independent pitching. So they're one place above the Astros. And run differential, they were 7th. So if we look at just regular season stats, the Astros have the edge here from an overall standpoint. The Braves were a little bit better at preventing runs, and the Braves got way better as the year went along because they weeded out the bad pieces of the bullpen. But you can say the same thing about the Astros. That's what good teams do. In the second half, they get better, and both teams did when it came to pitching. Something else to consider is that Houston played much better at home at a 51-30 and record which over 162 games would have given them 103 wins instead of the wins that they had. So if they were to have played all their games at home with the with the winning percentage that they had, their record would have actually been 103-59. and They didn't play all their games at home, and they won't play all their games at home. The World Series is just painting a picture of how much better they play at home, and they have home field advantage. So if it goes to seven games... The Astros will have four out of seven. But the Braves played much better away than they did at home 
with a 46-35 and 35 record. If you were to extrapolate that across 162 games, they would have ended up winning four more games than they did in the regular season. So that's a fun matchup right there. The home field advantage, the Astros will have the last at bat, but the games that are at home in a way are not as big of a split as it would have been against other teams in the league where the Astros have are heavy favorites to be much better at home and the Braves are also much better away. So it almost counteracts each other with the home field advantage other than the Astros having the last at bat in the ninth inning. Speaking of which, something that could play into that is that there was the Braves played a way more one-run games. And so what I mean by that is the Braves played 57 games that were one-run games out of the 162, and the Astros only played 40. Historically, one-run games can flip-flop. If you look over history, if it's a one-run game, it's almost a 50% chance that either team is going to win. It's a flip-flop. So that kind of skews the overall record a little bit. Now, again, the record that you see on paper is the record that you get. But when you're trying to paint a picture of what would happen over a longer period of time, if just little things were different, had the Astros played more one-run games, could they have scored more or lost more games? The answer is... Yes, things would have been different. The same would have been with the Braves. Had they played less one-run games, things would be different. But, again, that does not change the overall record. It is just painting a picture of how things are not as black and white as an overall record in a regular season when it comes to matchups in the postseason. They're not the same thing. We also need to remember that there's a lot of differences in the postseason than there is the regular season. Teams are not going to deploy five starters like they do in the regular season. The regular season sometimes now has six starters. That's not going to be seen. As you could see with the Dodgers versus the Braves, they didn't feel comfortable even running three different starters out there. They kept throwing out bullpen games. And they tried Urias. Didn't they found they decided they didn't like how he pitched against the Braves, so basically they were running a two-man rotation with bullpen games. Astros, Rays, they do the same thing. And so things are different in the postseason than they are in the regular season. But it is interesting to go back to the regular season, see how things are performed and how it happens. On to things that you need to look at for the postseason as opposed to, I won't say opposed to the regular season, but to kind of get a better idea of what to expect, is we need to look at how these teams performed against good teams, bad teams, and how their best pitchers performed as well. So, you know, you can go on MLB.com and you can say, okay, how do these teams fare against teams that are better than 500? What it won't show you right off the cuff is how did these teams fare against teams that ended the season over 500, and in what half did they do it? You look at how the Brewers fared against teams over 500. It was very impressive, and I am not taking that away from them. They did much better than the Braves did. In fact, the Braves were 31-37 and 37 against teams with winning records. That is not good. The Astros are 45-32 and 32 in the regular season. Advantage, Astros by a huge amount, which, 
as if you're a Braves fan, that should absolutely terrify you. But one thing that does give the Braves some hope is that if you look at the second half of the season and see how the Astros and the Braves fared against teams in the second half, and the reason I'm looking at the second half is both teams made trades at the deadline, and a second-half team, you have weeded out the bad arms out of the bullpen. You figured out, okay, this is the best version of the team. These are the lineups that we're going to run out there. The second of the half, the good team, any good team, their second-half performance is going to be more accurate and closer and better to the po- well, more accurate to what they're going to throw out there in the postseason, and much better than how they performed in the first half. That's typically what happens. Those are the teams that make it to the playoffs, the teams that started off okay in the first half, sure, or even great in the first half. But if they're great in the first half, they continue being great in the second half. Or if they're mediocre like the Braves were, didn't even make it to 500 till August 14th, but they made trade deadline acquisitions and figured out what bullpen arms were not good enough. Astros did the same thing. They got better as the season went along. So that's why I like looking at the second half. It's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? And it's a closer version of what the team is. For example, the the Braves lost Ronald Acuna in the first half. So why would we look at the first half when they have a MVP-level player gone? But anyways, if you look at how these teams fared against teams that had winning records or ended the season with ending records, and look how they fared against them in the second half. It is it's a lot closer than you might think. The Astros were 14 and 15 against teams who ended up having a winning record against in the second half. And what I mean by that is, they the teams that ended up with a winning record with the overall season. So, for example, caveats are important. So let me lay it out for you. Let's say, for example. The Braves have a winning record, right? The Astros have a winning record. But there are teams like, for example, the Padres, who had a winning record and did really well at the first half of the season, but caved the second half of the season and ended up not having a winning record. Or the Mets, for example. The Braves played the Mets quite a bit, but I'm not counting the Mets as a win for the Braves over 500 because even though the Mets were five and a half games in first place in August, they ended up with a losing record. So I'm not counting that as a win for the Braves when I say how a team did against teams with a winning record. This is how the Astros fared in the second half of the season, how the Braves fared in the second half of the season versus teams who had an overall winning record when the season was over. The Astros somehow ended up with a losing record just barely of 14 and 15 against such teams. The Braves on the other hand were 15 and 15. So very very close. If the Astros would have played one more game, they could have possibly had the exact same record as the Braves did. That's how close they were in the second half as as far as playing against teams with winning records. So the games that they were more difficult, the more difficult games, they fared pretty similar in those situations. Now you do have to look at things like the Astros knew that they were most likely going to win their division much earlier than the Braves did. So they probably took it easy a little bit, didn't push, push, push to win at the end of the season. 
So that's a fair point there. That is something you need to look at. Kind of like the Brewers did the same thing. And so the Brewers lost like 11 of their, 10 of their last 11 games against teams with winning records, but they didn't need to win those games. It could be the, the same argument could be made for the Astros. But it's just something to look at that it, it really is interesting how close those two teams were, the Braves and the Astros in those scenarios. If we look how these teams fared against the really, really bad teams, which also matters you, when you have some, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, give-me wins or give-me wins, wins that you absolutely must win these games because you're heavily favored and you're expected to win these games type of deal. For example, the Washington Nationals at the trade deadline basically became a AAA team because they traded off everybody except for Juan Soto. Uh, and you can even count the Marlins in there if you want. I think the Marlins were a bit underrated. But if we put the Marlins in there, and then teams like the Colorado Rockies, the Diamondbacks, you know, the, the Orioles, teams that are just below, 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 uh, much below average, like the the bottom of the bottom teams, tanking teams essentially. The Braves were 21-7, and seven, so that means they played 28 such games and fared well against those teams at 21-7. and seven. The Astros, the Astros were 16-10 and 10 in such games, that's 26 games, and that is facing, I'm including the Royals, the Rangers, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Twins. All of those teams are obviously teams that are not going to win anytime soon. They are in, or should be soon, in a rebuild stage. I would argue that the Royals are kind of just a middle of the Mill team, they haven't really decided which route they're going to take yet. They better start rebuilding soon, though, if they ever want to get back to a World Series. So as mentioned earlier, the key difference between the postseason and the regular season is the pitching and the, the strategy behind pitching drastically changes. You're, you're probably going to see a rotation of three guys versus a rotation of five or six guys in the regular season. With the Braves, that's going to be Max Fried, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson. And if you listen to the previous episodes, you know what their stats are for the year, but the key between those three is that Ian Anderson pitches way better, way, way better at home. So the Braves, their key for them, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself before I get into the keys to success, but they need to make sure that they use Ian Anderson at home. As much as they can, but not having home field advantage split across like they do, they're not going to have the advantage of deploying him twice at home like they did against the Dodgers. The Braves' rotation of three guys has been one of the best in the postseason. I mean, against the Brewers, the Brewers only scored six runs in the entire series, and two of those was against Oscar Yanoa, who came in in relief. So overall, I mean, in the Brewers' series, the Braves did great, but... The key to the Braves winning against the Dodgers, too, was that they were able to deploy the starters how they wanted to, and that was a big difference in the game. And the Braves' very solid starting rotation going into this series. All three of their starters have an adjusted ERA, or earned run average, plus of 124 or higher. That is 24% better than league average at preventing runs or better. And that one is Ian Anderson. 
And then, of course, Max Fried and Charlie Morton are much better than that. From a bullpen standpoint, the one thing the Braves do not have is a shutdown closer. Will Smith took a lot of flack from the fan base, even though his peripherals were great. And he didn't have a ton of blown saves, but the thing is, is with the closer, if you blow any save, everyone's going to remember you. As Just in general, as a relief pitcher, he was decent. He had an ERA plus of 129. That's 29% better than league average at preventing runs. But that's not shut down like a closer is, especially considering he walks 3.7 guys per nine innings. That's not something you want from a closer. However, from an ERA standpoint of just straight up preventing runs, he's he had a decent year. But the main thing is he's been absolutely fantastic in the postseason in 14 and a third innings of work he has not given up a single run and he has 15 strikeouts to only five walks and his era has been fantastic obviously with a zero so the cool thing is that for the braves even though their closer has not been shut down in the regular season he has been in the postseason even against the dodgers so that is going for the braves he had three games he pitched against the dodgers three different times didn't give up a single run and he had four strikeouts and zero walks against, and one walk against the Dodgers. But what I really want to look at is the bullpen as a whole, because that's really what matters. Because you're you're going to be deploying a lot of bullpen guys in the postseason, because you want to play the matchups, right? You don't. It's not regular season where you just okay throw your start out there. Hope you get six or seven. Here's my eighth inning guy. Here's my ninth inning guy. Go. It's not as simple as that. You have to play the matchups because the other team is going to be doing the exact same thing. The Braves have seven bullpen arms that are going to be on their roster that have an ERA plus over 100, which means they're above average at preventing runs, with their best being Tyler Matzik at 74% better than league average. He's been, he was absolutely dominant. Well, I take that back. He is the best that they've had in the postseason. Luke Jackson and Jesse Chavez had better ERA+. Plus. Luke Jackson with a 224 and Jesse Chavez with a 209. Matzik has been the best bullpen arm in the postseason. But it just goes to show that, you know, bullpen, they were bad at the beginning of the year. Just like the Astros, their bullpen got better as the year went on. And... The Braves, their high-end bullpen arms are just better, though, than the Astros. And I'll show you what I mean. If you look at the Astros, they have, and it looks like the Astros are only going to employ five such arms. Now, you do have Odorazzi that is just barely over that mark, but he's a starter. You have Ukurdi, who is also a starter, that they could both deploy in relief roles. But I didn't mention the ones that the Braves could do the same thing. I'm just looking at purely bullpen arms in this situation. And the Braves had the upper hand there. Also, not to mention that some of the guys that the Astros are deploying, their ERA plus is well below 100. I'm not quite sure. Maybe they're just short on bullpen arms this year. Not to mention uh, they are missing Lance McCullers, which is a key part of their rotation. Uh, Statistically speaking, I would say he's probably arguably their best starter maybe their second best starter, that his his status is up in the air. And so that is a huge blow to the Astros. I hate seeing, I absolutely hate seeing injuries in the postseason. It just, if it, 
it's not to take away from the other team if the other team wins, but it just is more satisfying if you win with a full roster of uninjured players, regardless of which team it is. I hate seeing injuries. Hopefully, I hope the best for Lance that he gets better and can pitch in the World Series. But if he doesn't, that's an advantage for the Braves, or more so a disadvantage, a huge disadvantage for the Astros. But back to the bullpen, the Astros gave up 17 runs in their bullpen in this postseason. That is not encouraging for them. Their rotation has been solid except for one or two starts, but their bullpen has really been doing terrible. Whereas the Braves' bullpen, other than the one game against the Dodgers, has been shut down. They've had Luke Jackson gave up a f- had two bad outings. And then other than that, Jacob Webb basically sat in there and took four earned runs as well. But they did not give up nearly as many runs. I believe the Atlanta bullpen gave up 13 runs. So in small sample sizes, it's not that bad. It is actually pretty close between the two. But the big difference is that the one game, I don't know. It It's hard to say in small sample sizes, but... Based on the postseason, it looks like the Braves' bullpen has been a little bit better. Especially considering in the game that the Dodgers absolutely whooped up on the Braves 11-2. They kind of just knew they were going to lose and just left Jacob Webb out there way too long. But you can make the same argument against that one game that the Red Sox just went off on the Astros as well. Although in that game... The runs were spread across three different relievers. Well, four technically, but in the end of the game when the Astros essentially kind of just gave up, the runs were against three different relievers where they each gave up one run. And, I mean, not that it matters too much, but that was against Rayleigh, Maton, and Stanek, which all three were their three worst relievers and that's why they deployed them. So it's just little things like that that you need to pay attention to. Well, you don't need to do anything. I'm not your boss, but you get what I'm saying. From a rotation standpoint, I've already talked about the Braves rotation, so I want to touch on the Astros rotation. Three years ago, I would have been way more scared if I were a Braves fan because of Zach Grinke, but Grinke's actually had a down year this year. To be fair, it's a down year from a Grinky perspective, it's still much better than league average. And by much better, I mean 3%. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, he still was above league average, and he had a 103 ERA+. plus. His, his numbers have, are not what they normally are. His strikeouts to walk ratio was much worse. Normally, it's around 6 to 7. This year, it was only 3. And he only struck out 9, I mean, sorry, 6 batters per 9 innings where normally he strikes out between 7.5 and, and 9. He's gone all the way up to 10 at some point. And his walks are pretty high. Since 2018, he's been... Well, 2019-2020, he did really well. But he normally averages about 1.6 walks per 9 innings. It's slight uptick at 1.9 walks per 9 innings this year. So, Grinky, although is better than league average, and he ha- does have the experience... This has been the year that you want to face him if you do have to face him in the postseason. As far as postseason performance has gone, they have been deploying him as an opener, essentially. He had one inning in the ALDS and one inning, well, one and one-third innings in the ALCS where he gave up 
two earned runs and walked three batters, giving up a home run. So if that's a guy you have to re- rely on, that's kind of not good if you're an Astros fan. But you, again, you do have the best offense in the league, so it's not the end of the world. Then Lance McCullers, that is going to be the big question mark. Is he going to be back in time? Like I said, he's arguably the best or the second best rotation arm that they have. The latest report looks like Lance McCullers is not going to pitch in the World Series. He still is not throwing, and it's becoming more and more likely that he's not going to pitch. So the two guys that the Astros thought they were going to depend on the most, Lance McCullers doesn't look like he's going to pitch. Zach Grinke, they're deploying as an opener because he has not been performing well as of late. So that's putting a lot of pressure on the younger guys to step up. That's putting a lot of pressure on Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez. Although both pitchers have been excellent this year with ERA plus of 136 in Valdez and 130 in Garcia. Both of them have pitched very well, not to like a Max Freed level or to a Charlie Morton level, but they both have been excellent in their own right. So thankfully for the Astros, even though McCullers is out and Grinke is not pitching like Grinke, they do have two very solid starters. However, Garcia has kind of folded in the postseason. In only 11 and one-third innings pitched, he has given up 10 earned runs. That is an ERA worth 7.94, even if you go back and include his two innings pitched last year in the ALCS. So from a pure postseason standpoint, it looks like Garcia might have the yips. I'd never wish that on anybody ever, but he has not been performing well in the postseason. Valdez, on the other hand, has been much better. In 39 innings pitched this postseason, he has given up 12 runs, but his last start was excellent. Against an obviously very good Red Sox team, one of the best offenses in the league. I believe it was the fourth best in the American League. He pitched eight innings in the postseason, only giving up one earned run, striking out five, and only walking one. So he did excellent. Now his FIP shows that he got slightly lucky, but still very excellent. I mean, to be fair, Max Freed gave up five runs in his last start against the Dodgers. So this is postseason baseball we're talking about here. And Valdez looks to be the guy that the Astros need or will have to lean on to prevent runs early in games. Now, they're not going to have to prevent runs like the Dodgers or the Brewers had to because they're going to be scoring runs like crazy. So that brings me to my keys of this series. Okay, There's always keys on what you need to do. And the thing that the Braves need to do is they offensively, they need to play the matchups. So the Braves have historically hit better. Well, I say historically. (laughs) In the second half with their new outfield, because their entire outfield is new, they have been hitting lefties much better than they've been hitting righties, which will fare well against Valdez, who seems to be Houston's best starter. The key for the Braves is to throw out the lineup out there that matches the best 
with the platoon splits. So if it's a lefty, that's when you do the lineup that the Braves seem to be stuck on, which is uh, Solaire out there first, or whatever. You know, Solaire's been gone, so that's why he hasn't been leading off. But prior to that, they had Solaire starting in the one spot versus lefties, and then Ozzy in the three hole, which is right. That I mean. You've looked at the lineups, you know them. If you haven't, go back there. The most common lineup you see is the one that they should be deploying against lefties. However, against righties, it's completely different. As can be seen against the Dodgers, they need to be deploying Eddie Rosario in the number one spot. Ozzie Albu should not be batting third, but we're probably going to see it. And they need to play the matchups offensively based on the handiness of the pitcher. The one thing that's going to throw the Braves off and will be smart for the Astros to do since they're so thin is they're going to have to do sort of openers slash bullpen games like they've been doing all postseason if they want to be successful against this Braves offense. Now the Braves offense is not as good as the Astros, but they're so deep that they can play the splits. So the Astros need to do that, but the Braves' key offensively is to play the splits, make your lineup tailored to if it's a right-handed starting pitcher or a left-handed starting pitcher. And then on top of that, they need to get to that bullpen as quickly as possible. Because one, you need to make that bullpen tired because the Astros are going to have to do some bullpen games because they're short-handed in their rotation. Second, their bullpen is very, very top-heavy. So, if you can get to a point to where you're hitting against guys like Yimi Garcia, you're going to have a chance to score runs. The other key is to make sure that you give your pitchers the best advantage to do well. Bring out the platoon advantage pitcher in the bullpen if you've got a bunch of righties or lefties in a row. Play that. But main, another main thing is deploy Ian Anderson at home if you have the ability to. Next, for the Astros, their key to success, they're obviously going to score a lot of runs. So it'd be really cliche to say score runs early and score often. But if that's how to win, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to score runs early in the game to get the Braves starters out of there because the Braves have the advantage with their rotation. But their bullpen is performed slightly better than the Astros, but they have a much better chance of scoring against a ton of runs against the Braves bullpen than they do the rotation. The rotation is uh, pretty solid this year, and really the there's only been a few hiccups. Max Fried's five-run game against the Dodgers and Ian Anderson's three-run game against the Dodgers. Other than that, the rotation has been excellent, so the Astros need to get in there, run up the pitch count, get those starters tired, get to that bullpen, score a bunch of runs. From a pitching standpoint, they need to make sure that they also play the platoon splits because they are very thin in the rotation. So their rotation guys like Valdez need to come out there and he needs to come out clutch. Luis Garcia, he needs to come out there and not have the yips, don't give up five runs like he's been doing each start, be shut down so that the bullpen does not have to pitch a bunch of innings in games where the starters start because the bullpen is going to be pitching a lot. So the starters need to get out there, and they need to be able to pitch six to seven innings of quality ball. I'm not saying they need to prevent the run 
from all costs. Like they can give a two or three runs if they're pitching six or seven innings, just so that that bullpen does not have to be out there on days that is not a bullpen game. Well, they'll be out there for some innings, but you get what I'm saying. You don't want your guys like Valdez coming out there and only pitching four innings and then having to go to your bullpen. You don't want guys like Luis Garcia coming out there and only pitching three innings and then going to the bullpen because that bullpen has been pitching a ton this postseason and they're only going to get more tired. You don't want to do that. You want your starters to have quality starts for a long period of time. Offensively, there isn't a lot of keys because this offense is so good that it's almost like just keep doing what you're doing. But like I said already, get the rotation out of there, get to the bullpen, get their bullpen tired, get their rotation tired, run the pitch counts. Run the pitch counts. Do not be like Ozzy Albies and swing at every pitch you see. Okay, The Astros key to success, run up the pitch count, get to the bullpen, get the bullpen tired. Because... To be honest with you, the bullpen, if you look at the peripherals of guys like Luke Jackson is finally flipping. Luke Jackson has had an excellent year, but if you look at as far as preventing runs, but his peripherals say that he's been a bit lucky. So get to that point where you get to those bullpen arms. Hope that Brian Snicker makes a terrible choice with the bullpen management like he's done quite a few times this year. And that is when you can really break the game open is if you get to the Braves bullpen. It's not going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be a shootout, but I will say that I do believe that if you've been a National League fan and you've really been watching the National League series, like the Championship Series and the Division Series, I do think the Braves are going to score more runs in the World Series than they did in those, the Championship and Division Series. And I do think that you're not going to see blow up of games with the Astros. I don't think you're going to see the Braves scoring like, 12 runs against the Astros at all ever like the Red Sox were able to do score 9 and 12 runs. I don't see that happening against the Astros. Now, I do think that the Dodgers had a better pitching staff and the Brewers had a better pitching staff than the Astros. So the Braves, I do think they're going to score more runs per game, but I do think that their ceiling is capped. They're not going to be scoring, you're not going to see any like 12 run games from the Braves. So again, the keys for the Astros, get the Braves rotation out of there, run up the pitch count, make the bullpen pitch as much as possible. And then pitching again, play the matchups, pitchers, especially starters, you need to do long starts. So let's look at advantages here. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I do believe the Astros have the overall advantage. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it for Braves fans and say, hey, the Braves are a better team. Have, they been, have the Braves been playing excellent? Have they been playing out of their minds? Absolutely. But if we look statistically, I do think that the Astros have the advantage here. I will say that I do think if you were to just say, who has the advantage with the bullpen? Who has the advantage with the rotation? Who has the advantage with the offense? The Braves would win two out of three of those. However, the Astros have a massive advantage offensively. And, I mean, it's so massive that when I say that the Braves have the advantage with the rotation and a slight advantage with the bullpen, the offense is so massive and the advantages in the bullpen being so small, the overall advantage were to be to the Astros. Now, if you were to give it some, like, I mean, it's because it's not as simple as 
Bullpen, advantage Braves, one point. Offense, advantage Astros, one point. One to one. Okay, let's look at the rotation. Braves have the advantage. That's two points to one point. That means the Braves have the advantage. It doesn't work like that. It's not black and white. It's not on or off. The the Astros, they their rotation and their bullpen is not as good as the Braves. But it's not because the Braves have this huge advantage in either of those areas. They don't. They're very, very slight. And as you could see over the entire season, even as the season went on in the second half and everything, the Braves were just slightly better in both of those areas. The biggest thing that's different is that the Astros lost their best starter. And so that is going to play a huge, huge role. If the Astros are going to have to overcome that and lean on Garcia and Valdez to do their thing. But I do think that the Astros have the advantage. If I were to go pure statistically, I would think that the Astros would probably win in six games. As a Braves guy that covers the Braves, obviously I'm hopeful that it does not happen that way. If I'm being real, I think the Astros will win in six. If I'm going... With my gut, I say the Braves win in six. I don't think... I'm Okay, so let me rephrase that. Statistically, just looking at the numbers, I if I were to bet, I would say Astros in six. If I'm going with my gut, just going off of how the teams have been playing, I think the Braves in six. But again, that's <laughs> the Braves in six is going off of motion. This Astros in six is going off statistics. So that's just what I'm going to throw out there. Take it for what you will. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you gained some knowledge from it. I hope you learned that statistics matter. I hope that you learned that schedules matter. I hope that you learned that if you want to get a pure, big picture view, you need to dig and dive deep to get the full picture painted to you if you're trying to make predictions on who has the advantage on these things. You cannot look at just the record. You cannot look at just the ERA. You cannot look at just the run scored. You have to look at many things. And I hope that this kind of opened your eyes to ways you can do that and kind of get your eyes on different numbers to look at and different advantages to look at. And I hope you enjoy this podcast. Again, I'm Sam Peebles. I will be posting or Invader Sports, rather, will be posting episodes throughout the World Series. My goal is to do a recap of every game. If not, I'm going to do a few here and there. So within the next week, look for multiple MLB episodes covering the World Series to come out. I'm excited to cover that for you guys. I'm going to do my best to do statistical deep dives to look at the reasons why and what I would do differently. With that... I hope you enjoy the World Series. It's been a long time coming, and I hope you enjoy this World Series as much as I'm going to. Don't forget to rate and like Invader Sports Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, thank you.